Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about a subject I have touched on in this podcast before, but I've been hearing so many people ask me this question with consults and in groups and all that stuff around. And it's it seems to be one of the hardest things to sell people on aside from potential weight gain or the fact that um, having the perfect size zero body is not the ultimate goal and that there's actually, you can have a fulfilling life <laughs> and, and not constantly care and fiddle around your body. And oh, another concept that's hard to sell people on is that they actually can trust themselves with food and live a life where they're not. The only way that they manage food isn't through calorie counting and micromanaging, but this is still a hard concept and something that people carry with them even past recovery. So people will recover, but they'll still be struggling with this, this problem, which is telling others about your bulimia, telling people about your eating disorder, sharing your story, sharing the fact that you maybe need help, the fact that you're in um, bulimia right now, all that sort of stuff. I'm going to be really talking in this episode about why you should tell someone, at least one person, why it's pretty vital to people's recovery. And, um, and also what the benefits of that are and really go into detail. I did originally talk about this, I think in 2020, and I talked about uh, how telling someone how it will change your life, but that was a little bit more my own personal story. And this one, I'm gonna go through a bunch of bullet points and I also have more client stories to share now. So I think that's, that's why I wanted to kind of go over this subject. However, real quick, um, first of all, I hope you guys are doing well. Hello. Uh, Seth Barner was on the episode podcast episode last week. I think a lot of people enjoyed that. I've gotten a lot of comments about it. So if you haven't listened to that, check that out. And I'm back from vacation. It feels good to get back to work. I was a little bit nervous about coming back to work as I always do for whatever reason. I, But I have to show you with you guys a funny story that is kind of interesting because I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of clients who they'll keep comparing themselves to what a normal eater is and feel like they're not there yet because they're making little tiny mistakes in quotation marks, mistakes with food. Um, and then I always ask them, what do you think a normal eater is? And they, def- they describe a person that is the most unrealistic, perfect, always follows every single rule that they give themselves, never overeats, never overindulges, always eats the perfect amount for their body, makes the best decisions with food 24 seven. Um, and they, they're like, that's a normal eater. And when in reality, a normal eater is probably the average eater, which isn't super healthy at all, but a normal eater, um, what I see as a normal eater, my definition is someone who just makes intuitive decisions, who also makes mistakes with food, who still messes up with food, um, who indulges every once in a while for the pure fun of it. Um, and tries to have a, a pretty good balance between making healthy decisions and also enjoying their life and not overthinking it. A pretty casual, normal person. 
person. But it's funny that I know all that with the normal eating. I know what a normal, uh, what a, you know, intuitive, healthy relationship with food looks like. But my coach this week, as you guys know, I've been working with, I've been working with a personal coach uh, who is helping me move my money mindset because I have so many fears wrapped around, wrapped around money and my business and all that sort of stuff, right? And so I'm really trying to tackle it because it translates to so many areas in my life. But I was talking with her and I was blaming myself for um, overspending on the trip. Like we spent more than we anticipated. Um, also someone vandalized our car while we were at um, the trip. And so in, in like the nicer hotel there, but yeah, someone vandalized our car. So we have to pay for those repairs, stuff like that, you know? And the thing is like, I can pay for it, but I'm so, I was braiding myself because I'm like, oh, we're over budget. I'm so irresponsible with money. I can't ever follow a budget perfectly. And she was like, what, what do you think someone, what does it mean to you to be good with money? And I, I told her someone who actually creates a budget and follows it, someone who, um, when they, they make good estimates, when it comes to spending things, they don't, they don't go outside of their budget or their spending limits. They don't, um, splurge when maybe they, they don't put anything on a credit card that they don't have money for. They, um, just make good decisions with money. They make perfect decisions all the time. I described someone who's basically like a Scrooge that never makes any, any financial mistakes and also no, never takes any risks and also never has anything, any fun with their money and always has these perfect arbitrary rules that they've set out for themselves and follows them to AT. I basically described what my clients <laughs> described to me as what they think a normal eater is. That's what I, that's my, I envision my, uh, someone who's good with spending money is. So no wonder I was constantly beating myself up. Um, I, I continue to do that. Why I constantly beat myself up and tell myself I'm not that good with money or I'm irresponsible or feel anxious about it because I'm holding myself to these arbitrary rules that aren't even that realistic. So anyway, I thought it was so interesting that my thoughts about food, how I used to think about food, really still carry over quite a bit when it comes to money. And so if you guys are out there and you're thinking, I'm not a normal eater because I do all these crazy things. Like I was talking to a client today who um, feels like she is out of control with sweets and kind of describes them as like little mini binges whenever she has sweets and feels like she, she almost described herself as a sugar crack addict. And the funny thing is, is that most normal people find sugar and like little jelly treats and gummy worms super enticing and just one is not enough. And yet because she has this envisionment that normal people just elegantly have two gummy worms and then put the rest down and don't crave the whole bag, she's somehow an addict, disordered, crazy person. That's not really the case. Most people have, most people spurge, most people indulge, most people don't always make the best decisions with food. Sometimes they, they go out of it. Sometimes they give into those desires, but they don't, doesn't mean that they're going to go into this cascade of, um, you know, nighttime ice cream tubs gone away and face down, they're going to wake up face down in some Oreos. That's not going to happen. Um, it's just crazy. The associations we have of what we think we should be because we're not re reaching those unrealistic and, and not, not real at all standards then somehow we're going to beat ourselves up. And that's what I do with myself with money on my financial life, even though I'm pretty, pretty good, pretty responsible. It's the craziest thing. So, um, and you, it sounds obvious, but I've been thinking this for a while. I didn't even catch it. That is part of the benefit of coaching. My friends is that 
it helps you become aware of things that you weren't actually really keen to in your own mind. You think you know it, but you don't. <laughs> anyway, I feel like that could have been a whole podcast episode right there um, that I introed, but let's get on to the actual meat of the episode, which is why do you have to tell someone? So I get a ton of people get on a consult with me or they message me on Instagram and they say, Jacqueline, do I have to tell my partner? I've told my husband, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, whatever. Do I have to tell them that I'm struggling? Can I just recover and then tell them? Or do I have to tell them ever? Can I just tell them or can I just never tell them and recover and live a completely happy, um, go lucky life? And my answer is yes, you, you don't have to tell anyone and you can take this to your grave, of course. And they say that because People, you know, people have recovered without telling people before it's rare, but I have, I have heard stories, you know, I don't think I've worked with anyone who has never told anyone because they're working with me. So they've obviously told someone, but you can work, you can recover without telling someone. I totally believe that's possible. However, I think it's going to be much more difficult. And I also find it interesting when people say to me, can I tell them after I've recovered? is what that's kind of saying is like, I don't want them to see this, this crappy side of me, this shady side of me, the side of me that's not perfect. I want to, I want to overcome and conquer and be fully recovered and then bring this to them and tell them, yeah, I once struggled with it, but I'm good now. It's kind of not, um, it's not necessarily being vulnerable in the moment. You want to clean up the mess before you tell someone about it. But the problem with that is usually that makes things worse. And I think the more you put pressure on yourself that I can't tell them unless I recover, I feel like it just compounds the issue and we're telling someone is actually going to help you recover faster. Um, but no, yeah, you can totally not tell anyone, uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. And here's why. Um, and a lot of people are also scared of, they don't want to tell their, especially their significant others. They don't want to tell them because they're worried that they will uh, be mad that especially if they've been with them for you know 20 years or something they're worried that they will think that they were a liar that they have been that, that they've been betraying them that they've been pretending like they're someone that they're not I had an interesting conversation the other day with a woman who's considering working with me and she felt like this person that she's married to is into health and um, uh, medicine and stuff like that and she was thinking, well, I've been telling him that I am into a healthy lifestyle and fitness, and yet I'm, I'm bulimic. And I said, well, aren't you into a healthy lifestyle? Don't you care about your health? And she said, yeah, but being bulimic means that I'm not. And I was like, that's not true. This is just something you're struggling with. Just because you're bulimic doesn't mean you don't care about your health. I think smokers or people that do, people that drink, you know, drink on occasion, like I drank on vacation a little bit doesn't mean I don't care about my health. I know that drinking is not ideal for my health ever, but every once in a while I want to enjoy it. You can do, you can do things like that in moderation, but just because you're struggling with bulimia doesn't mean you're somehow not trying to be healthy or that you're not trying to be healthy or that you don't deserve to be labeled as such. But it's so interesting that she had that in her head that once she says, hey, I'm this, I'm struggling with this, this person's automatically going to assume that you're not who you said you were you're a liar, all these sorts of things. Maybe the first thing is if you're one of those people thinking, okay, they're going to think that I am a liar 
that I betrayed them, that I've been keeping something from them, that I'm actually someone I'm not, that I'm a failure. Um, it's almost like they feel like they're revealing a bunch of gambling debt or something when really they're just they're just revealing that they're struggling with binging and purging. They're just revealing that they're struggling with food and uh, maybe like whatever else comes with bulimia, like depression or something like that. They're struggling in some shape or form, but they're not murdering puppies. They don't have massive amounts of gambling debt or something like that. I was talking to my boyfriend about it actually. And he said, I don't know why people are so scared to share something like an eating disorder when I would think a financial deceit would be much more of a big deal because it affects the other person. But we get so much in our heads that this is the worst thing ever that I could possibly do because I'm lying. But I want you to think about this. What if someone came to you, a friend, um, your partner, or maybe your parents, who knows? And they said, hey, I've been struggling with an addiction. Maybe it's like uh, a, a cocaine addiction, right? Like, what would your reaction be? You would first be kind of shocked, probably. You'd be like, what? And, and you may be confused. Maybe this person in your life, like you love them, you care about them. They seem like great people. Um, they seem like they have it all together. And suddenly you hear that they have this, this massive addiction and it's really affecting and crippling their life. You would be surprised and you might be kind of confused. And maybe they say you have been keeping the secret for 20 years. You would initially have reactions of like, what? I don't understand. And some people, if they're going to be really selfish and make it all about them and behave in a way that is, behave in a way that I would say isn't mature, then yeah, maybe they're going to get mad about that. But I think if you're listening to this podcast, someone who's struggled with bulimia, you can have empathy for people that are having some sort of addiction struggle, uh, that are flawed beings like all we are, like we all are. Um... I think the more mature people and understanding people would have reactions of empathy. So after that initial reaction of confusion, you would probably think to that person, how can I help? Especially if you cared about them. I'm not telling you guys to go tell someone that you don't trust someone that is on the street or maybe someone that you have a relationship with, but they're not very nice or kind. Don't tell that person if you don't feel safe with them, but someone that you really care about and you know that they care about you. If they came to you and told you that you had a, they had a similar issue, you would 100% try to help them and be as supportive as possible. You might not get everything right. And that's another reason why people hesitate is that they don't want to tell people and then make everything change. They don't want the person to suddenly be watching them all the time, to be overboard with um, food, to be thinking differently about them. Um, and part of it's just because it is annoying to have someone hover over you 24-7 and the other thing is, I think it just, you want to maintain this image of, I am good. I am, I'm not, maybe I'm not perfect, but I am someone who doesn't need any help. I'm, I'm good. I'm completely fine. And it, again, it doesn't feel nice to have someone breathing down your neck. The problem with that is you can't control how other people think about you. And if someone came up to you and said, Hey, I have a cocaine addiction. No, it's not the same as bulimia recovery. It's just a just a like example. So don't, don't link the two, but you would probably try your best. You wouldn't know much about cocaine addiction, but you'd be like, okay, well, how can I help? And maybe you'd be like a little bit more on, on, um, on guard with them. If like they were gone for a little while, maybe you'd be a little bit concerned, but over time, if you have an open and clear communication with that person, 
and you don't expect them to be completely 100% on it all the time, um, and you understand that they don't know what to do, they're just trying to support you, you can tell them how you want to be supportive and to remind them like, hey, this is actually not, this is necessary, I'm good, you don't have to be hovering 24-7, but I'll come to you if I need help, that sort of stuff. It doesn't, like people expect when they tell someone about their bulimia for them to know exactly what to do. And that's kind of unfair to expect your partner, friend, parents to know exactly what to do. You just want to expect from them, probably have no expectations, but you need to tell them what you need, right? They don't know, especially if they've never struggled with an eating disorder. I think if like, let's say my fictitious child would have struggled with an eating disorder, I think I know a few things to do, what support to get them, what to do, how to, how to handle it a bit better because I have actually experienced it myself, but some people haven't. So if you were to tell someone, they may change their behavior around you, but with clear and open communication and being patient with them, you can slowly but surely work out a relationship that works for both of you. And it actually will work in your favor to have someone know because getting support in any shape or form is probably the most important, important, crucial piece of bulimia recovery. I mean, in this podcast, I talk about so many different crucial pieces, but having actual people in your life that you know, love you, care about you, that you can talk to this, to talk to them about, about bulimia, that's going to be so helpful for your recovery. It it's, it does wonders to talk about things and get it out of your own head. One, it releases shame. And I talked about that um, on a podcast recently, um, talking about your shame, I think was the title, but talking about things that bring you shame literally kind of brings it to light and makes it vanish. It, when you start speaking out loud about the things that you feel shame about, it really makes, uh, it makes you realize how little validity it has. And the people in your life can talk to you about how that doesn't make any sense and how you don't need to feel that way and how they love you regardless. Sometimes having that belief, um, having someone else believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself can be the push that you need, especially when you're in the deepest, darkest depths of recovery. And us as human beings, we're really social creatures. We're meant to have support and having more minds than one is usually a good thing. Sometimes there's too many minds. It's a little clustered and confusing, but having some people in your corner during your recovery is for support structures and, and people who in the know who are to have your best interest in mind, even if they don't execute the help that you want from them perfectly, you got to be patient with them on that. You got to be understanding at least they're there, they're trying, they're doing something for you. That's going to go a long way. And I'll tell you the clients that I have that um, actually their partners know, usually I work with people that are in relationships for whatever reason. Maybe that's because I'm also in a relationship. So I attract that. I don't know. But I usually work with people who are in relationships and they, um, they, the people that some of them, about 50% of them do not tell their partners, their partners don't know. And then the other um, half of them do know. And the ones that do know tended to um, be, tend to have more success more quickly because everyone's on board and everyone's supporting it. And it's, it's a collective effort together and they don't have to hide. They don't have to feel ashamed for what they're doing. They don't have to be holding on to a secret. Um, so definitely just having someone know, even if it's not even releasing the shame, it's just like, can be extra support when you don't feel strong yourself, but other people are going to build you up 
they're going to have belief in you. They're going to keep on supporting you and they're going to, they're going to make you feel less isolated and less alone. Also hiding a secret like that just takes effort and time. It just, it just takes effort, um, mental energy and, um, a constant, it's kind of like you're in a constant stream of, Oh, I can't share that. Or I got to hide that. Or I got to just like constant in your mind to keep that secret at bay. Also, when you're holding a secret from someone, whatever it is, it keeps you at a distance. It keeps you further away from that person. Something that I thought was so crucial in my relationship um, on my Instagram, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, my confession series, you can see that I have some problems in my relationship from my own doing, you know, but part of the issue in my relationship was the secret I, that I was keeping with bulimia. And when I started getting honest about that, it actually brought us closer because there were, there were basically gaps in time. And this whole thing that was happening in my life that I couldn't talk about with my partner. It was just like, yeah, I just been and purge, but I can't tell you about it. So I'm going to be dead silent or make up some lying excuse, you know? And there were things that I was struggling with all the time, but I couldn't talk about it. And you may think like, well, why would I want to talk about bulimia? But it's a big thing in your life. And to not be talking about it, it's kind of just shutting someone out completely. They don't, under they don't fully understand you. They don't know what's going on. You can't fully communicate everything. It's basically this whole piece of... Like, piece of your life that they don't know. And it keeps them at a distance when they could know you better. The more you share and, and um, divulge, the more closer you are brought to people. It's not always the case. Again, you want to be careful with who you tell. There are people in this world that for whatever reason, they're probably hurt. They have probably suffered through something themselves that they're going to take information that you give them and they're going to twist it and use it and um, try to hurt you with. Please Please, when you share this with people, choose the person wisely and make sure you trust them, love them, and you know that they trust you and they love you and they care for you too. But that being said, when you're not fully sharing um, your, the secret with people, um, the people in your life, it is keeping them at a distance and they're, they're not able to communicate with you clearly. They're not able to fully understand you and you, they're missing a big chunk of your life. And really when I told my boyfriend, I felt like we got a lot closer. Um, the, before that, it was before bulimia, I felt like we were on the same page. But when I started struggling with bulimia, I was definitely suddenly a little, little bit more distant and a little bit more out of it. And again, there was just huge chunks of time, huge turmoils going on in my mind that I couldn't talk about at all. And once I shared that, I was able to actually communicate what was happening. And I felt like our relationship just got that much closer in a really, really amazing way. Um, there was one story I have from a client who, my client was saying that um, one time their partner walked in on them when they were binging. And they said it was a really real moment because it forced them to talk about it. You know, it forced them to talk about what was going on. My clients told me that they, um, it was one of the worst moments ever, but after when they were able to sit down and talk about things together, um, they really had the, one of the biggest heart to hearts and connections that they had had in a while. And it helped for them to be fully understood by their partner and understand what was going on. And, you know, thankfully their partner was really understanding, 
but I think it really changed gears for that client and really was a big wake up call to them and made them shift their direction and actually have their partner fully on their side. So sometimes people knowing even in a way that's really dramatic like that, even though it sounds awful, like I know a lot of you guys hear that story and you cringe, it can be, be so helpful. And when people see you at maybe your, at your worst, while it's not the best thing, um, you can't really relate to people that aren't perfect, right? I talked about that on the podcast last week too with Seth, that people that seem like they are just, they have it all together and they never have any flaws. And they always like, you know, you think of these super moms that are doing all the extracurricular activities and their kids are always perfect and they, their houses look great and they're Instagram ready. And they always do the amazing Christmas cards. And you're like, how are they getting by? Like, how do they even do all that? And they, they're also exercising on top of their nutrition and everything. It's not very relatable, right? It's like, don't they have some flaw? Don't they have something that they struggle with? Because that's kind of what it's like to be a human, right? You never have everything, everything quite together. I can think perfectly normally about food. But when it comes to money, I have like the crippling fear around it, even though it doesn't make any damn sense, right? So when you share something that you are struggling with, it makes you appear more human. And it's really a good thing because then people can relate to you more. And people feel people also feel more comfortable sharing things with you because they know that you're going to understand. And it just also, when you share your flaws, even though bulimia shouldn't be considered a flaw, it's just a struggle like everything. Um, when you share your flaws, it's really a display of strength, I think. When you're able to, to say it out loud, it takes so much more strength than it does to tell the world, I don't have any flaws, I'm perfect. Like that confession series I, I did was awful on Instagram. I hated it. Every time I had a post, some of the posts were not so bad, but some of them, like the one I posted about my relationship and the one that I posted about um, unpopular opinions in the eating disorder community that I knew people would disagree with, I knew people would comment on. Oh, it was awful. It took so much like gumption <laughs> to, to hit the post to actually even write the thing. I was looking at the list, the list that I had written, and I was like, oh God, what have I done? But it really, I think it's it tested, test your strength and to show things that you know are kind of icky about yourself. I think it says so much more and people really, really applaud that and they're drawn to that because they know it's a lot harder to do that than it is to share all of your nice bits. So anyway, I feel like I'm off on a tangent now as I always do during these podcasts, but telling people, I've, I've covered a lot of it, it puts you in a more open and honest space in your relationship um, or with the, the whatever the relationship is, romantic or friendship or um, family, familial, whatever it will keep it and more, it will make you guys feel more open and honest with each other. Another thing that it helps with is that you don't have this big secret you're sharing, you're keeping anymore. It takes up less mental space in your life. You don't have to be constantly thinking about your double, double life, the binge you, the bulimia you, and then the normal you, you can kind of just be you and people know about that. You have extra support when you tell someone, um, also I think you're just with that extra support, it's more likely you're going to recover. Um, I've talked to many people, a lot of therapists say like, number one thing is to get help and get help early. That's what's going to, um, really propel your recovery. And so I'm not even when I'm saying, do I need it? Do I have to tell someone? I'm also talking about, do I have to tell a professional? 
I'm guess I'm talking more about people in your life, but telling some sort of professional, getting help, talking to someone, I'm not going to say that it is completely 100% necessary, but you're going to probably excel much faster if you get outside help, whether that's with me or with someone else. I don't, when I say that, I think people think I'm trying to like, oh, come work with me. You can come work with me if you want, but find some professional that you feel comfortable working with and contact them, even if it's just for a consult, because that is going to propel your recovery. I mean, it propelled my life when I started getting outside help, mentorship, and guidance. It took me so long to take the, take the, do the pull, to take the plunge, whatever it's called. But once you do that with anything in your life, having that outside mind, having that constant guidance, it really, really puts your priorities into play and can excel that growth so much faster than you would have done on your own. So yeah, telling someone is not hundred percent necessary, but it's very, very important. And it's going to be so much more beneficial than you realize. Also, if you're one of those people that it's like, I'll tell them after I recover, I don't want to tell them now I'll tell them after I kind of did that. Like I didn't tell anyone, um, till, till I, I told my boyfriend and I told my roommate while I was still struggling um, with bulimia, but it didn't, and my, and my best friend told three people in my life, but you know, it wasn't public. No one else knew. And then when I did the podcast, I knew that it had to be public. And um, before the podcast, I had started coaching. So I was like telling a few people here and there in my small like groups that I was a part of. Um, and every time I told them, it was kind of like uh, very uncomfortable. But once I actually told, once I told um, the world really, and I had to make that big public Facebook post on my personal page to my family and friends that, I mean, you can go and look back at the, the episode I have about um, the, the call to change my career. I have the actual call where I was crying and um, really feeling lots of deep shame that I didn't realize I had to let go of in order to tell people. But why I really recommend you to tell someone, even if you are recovered, let's say you're listening to this and bulimia is kind of a thing of the past, but um, for you, it's not really a big struggle, but you still don't want anyone to know about it. I want to ask you, why don't you want anything to know about it? What do you, what are you making bulimia mean about you? I made it mean personally that I was weird, that I was kind of a freak, uh, that I had weird issues with food, that I did strange things with food, that um, I was unhealthy. And I was just kind of, I don't know, whack is what I thought about myself. Really, that wasn't true. If something that was just, someone was just struggling with a mental health issue, with a habit, with an addiction, whatever you want to call it. But it doesn't mean that I was less so. And when I actually started crying on the phone about that, I really realized how much deep shame and judgment I was holding towards myself and telling the world about that and telling my family and friends helped me release that. It made me realize how silly I was being and how much people didn't see it that way. Most people, maybe some people did and they just didn't tell me, but whatever. The general consensus after all of this is, no, you don't have to tell anyone, but I'm going to highly, highly recommend that you tell someone. And if you're one of those people that it's like, I'll get it all figured out and then I'll tell them. I want to want you to like look into your life and think how much easier would it be if I actually told them? Why do I want to do it the difficult way? Why do I want to prove that I've gotten it together before telling them? How, how would it actually improve my relationship if I told them? I know your mind wants to go to the place of like, no, 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 it will, it will ruin things. 
they will be so mad. They will think all those things. And when I told my boyfriend, I was terrified. And I do not know why, because he's the sweetest guy, very understanding, very willing to talk about most things that other dudes will not talk about. Love him to death. But my God, I thought he was going to think, I don't know what I thought, but I was terrified. And then when I told him, I blurted it out on our way back from a grocery store run in the car while I was driving, because I had an inkling of of that gumption coming back up in me. And I was just like, I'm struggling with bulimia, you know, just kind of burst it out and then started crying. But I really did think it was going to ruin our relationship. And it did quite the opposite. And so a lot of people, I know what those fears are like. It's terrifying. It's paralyzing. But I want you to try to imagine real quick the benefits, like put all of the, all your drama about what, what they're going to think if you tell them all the bad things you think they're going to think and the bad outcomes, put it in a box for a second. And I want you to take five minutes to purposefully think of what could be if you were in a relationship or you, well, your friend that you really care about knew, knew or your sibling or your family member, your parents, um, whoever in your life you want to tell and you think would be a good option to tell a professional, whatever it is, what possibilities, what positive possibilities could come from you telling someone really think about it really to try to put your mind to it do not say i don't know or do not say there is no possible positive outcome really challenge yourself here and think of pretend you're an pretend you're in an alternate reality where it is possible what could the outcomes be and i just listed off a bunch of them for you what if it actually brought you guys closer what if you felt more freedom what if you felt a lot less shame what if every time you were going into panic mode and feeling like you're the worst person ever, you could call that person or talk to that person and they would remind you that you're just a human being that they love very much and you have worth and value in this world and that, they, that they're there for you and that you're not crazy. What if it actually helped you? What if it propelled your recovery along? What if you recovered faster because of it? What if you became someone who this was in the past? And you, and what if that person actually thought that you had a lot of strength going through what you've gone through and telling them, what if that person felt closer to you because you told them, what if that person opened up to you because of what you told them? What if that person was actually struggling with something huge themselves? And because you are vulnerable enough to tell them and trust them, they opened up. They're also, also what's going on. You guys can at least support each other during these times because you know, you guys know that you're not the only ones that are struggling. There, there are so many friends that told me once I opened up about my bulimia that they were struggling. Found out one of my best friends ever was struggling with alcohol and depression. Had no idea, you know? So sharing is not only going to positively affect you, it could positively affect that other person. It's not just a selfish act to tell other people. It's actually very beneficial for both parties involved. If you were having uh, trouble knowing how to navigate telling your loved ones and um, how to actually like navigate um, having in being in some sort of relationship or having a family member, your loved ones with bulimia, or actually maybe you're listening to this and you're like, how do I help someone with bulimia? I'd recommend going to the episode, um, helping your loved ones with bulimia. It's 
it's not only for people that are looking. I have a lot of people that also contact me being like, I have someone I love is struggling with bulimia. What do I do? That episode was made for them. But it's also a good episode to listen to if you're struggling with bulimia, because it can give you an outside perspective of what your loved ones may be thinking and what questions they have and how to work together so that you can get the right support that you need from your family members and communicate clearly. Because what happens sometimes when you tell people is again, they don't know exactly what to do. They don't know what you need and it can be a big burden on them. So that episode's kind of there to help navigate that a little bit. It's not going to solve all your issues, but I think that's a good place to start. Um, especially if you're having someone in your relationship that's trying to help you, but they're not doing a great job of it that could be good to listen to. But anyway, I'm really a big fan of telling people. Um, I know that not everyone is in a position. Well, I have a lot of professionals, people, some people in the mental health field, the coaching field, right? That they come to me and they're like, I can't tell anyone that I'm, my clients knew I was struggling with this. They can't know. But I really want to offer again to those people thinking that I think your clients, people that in the professional field, they might also feel, um, more comforted to know that you are a human being who also has their own struggles and it might help you relate to them more because no one wants to work with someone no one wants to relate to someone who is up on the hill above them knowing more than them they want you to be right there with them so you can communicate with them on a baseline um i know that we all have this kind of desire to be superior in some way i was just talking about this with a client um i have that too of like wanting to be kind of like oh i'm better than everyone else but i'm not and I think the more I can share and open those laws, the more you can do that, the, the closer you'll be to someone. And when you're not sharing these things, again, it's your personal thing. You do not have to share this with anyone if you do not want to, but I really think you're limiting the potential of your relationships if you keep this part of you in the dark. Um, it's a big piece of you. Bulimia doesn't define you, but your struggle and battle with it does change who you are and gives you new perspectives the perspectives that you cannot share if you don't tell them what's going on so that's my two cents in the matter like always thank you for listening to this episode i feel like i've been talking forever probably going to be a long one hopefully it was helpful um and i hope you guys are doing well how are you how is everything thank you for all of you guys listening out there i know that it's hard to open up about these things and i know if you struggle with bulimia like i'm sorry i'm sorry you're going through the struggle but please know you can get through it you can get out of it um, it's not always going to be an easy road, but it is worth it. Um, I appreciate every single one of you guys. My heart goes out to you guys struggling right now. I just, this podcast, the whole reason I do it is because I know you're out there listening and you need help. Um, and hopefully this podcast at the very least made you feel less alone and like you are understood because you are. Okay. I'm going to let you guys go. Never give up on yourselves. Bye everyone. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.